Let's go there to Ephesians 4 and look more at the behaviour of the Christian. His moral relationships. We're look, looking under the conspicuous difference. If we've got the little fill-in in from the bulletin. And we're just going down through these one at a time. These nine points. We've... Um, Got to the con- number four, a conspicuous difference should be in the life of a person that professes the Lord as his saviour and <coughs> possesses the Lord <laughs> as his saviour. We looked at there should be a difference in conduct in verse 28 and a difference in conversation, uh, verse 29. And now we go on to the fifth point there, our, a Christ-like demeanour. Um, <coughs> verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, by whom ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and evil speaking be put away from among you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. (laughs) Christians don't have problems between themselves, do they? Of course they do. These things wouldn't be in the Bible if it wasn't so. That's why they're here. God knew that would be the case. We still have that old nature and there are problems that arise at times through attitudes and through conversations and through actions that uh, we need to be very aware of and take care of and be careful not to offend deliberately anyway. If we're doing it ignorantly, then maybe we need to take a good look (laughs) and say, Lord, Reveal my blind spots. But here, an ungrieved Holy Spirit is what we look at first in the Christ-like demeanour. An ungrieved Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Let's pray. Think about that. Who is the Holy Spirit? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it does keep us on track and helps us to know the right way, the way in which we should walk as Christians. Lord, as we think of the blessed Holy Spirit that lives within each of your children, who guides and protects and teaches, baptizes, does many things, may, Lord, we be constantly with an ear to what he has to say as he uses the word of God and other believers and, Lord, to speak to us about how we should behave. Bless, Lord, as we consider these thoughts and may we always have an ear to listen. For we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> Who is the Holy Spirit? The third person of the Godhead. Good. The third person of the Godhead. That's exactly what I had written down. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's there's Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And each one has their particular work and task to do, and that they do. And this is the Holy Spirit. He, the, he was promised to be sent in the book of John. There are a lot of promises there where he would come. He will come. He will come. And he did come. He, he did come in the Old Testament, but he also left. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, said David in Psalm 51. But <clears throat> now he comes and stays. He's permanent, a permanent resident in our life. And so... We need to always remember that. So third person of the Godhead. You wouldn't think that what um, we read in the scripture could be possible that we could resist 
God. But it happens, doesn't it? It happens in the unsaved and it happens to the Christian. So this third person of the Godhead can be resisted. He can be resisted by unsaved people. In Genesis 6.3 it reads, My spirit shall not always, and can you remember what it says? Strive. Strive. Shall not always strive with men. And that was just at the time of the flood. He, he, was, he was striving with men. He was speaking to them. This is not what you should do. This is the way in which you should walk. You know, we think, oh, back then before the flood for 1,600 and so years, um, you know, they didn't know about God. Yes, they knew about God. <laughs> that was past. Remember, God walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He instructed them. They had the word that was given to them and shared with them, and they, they knew that they were resisting God. There were things passed down to them. Um, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Well, go to Hebrews chapter 6 for a start. Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 4 to 6. And I think this is a resisting of the spirit that's mentioned here. Some say they're saved, some say they're unsaved. I don't think they're saved if you go through the whole lot of these verses. And we just pick up at verse 6 in Hebrews 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. You know, the, the Holy Spirit has to convict a person before that person can get saved. And, and, and in John, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. It, it tells us that, and it's talking of unsaved people. So the Spirit of God does do that and did do that for us who are saved and have tasted the good word of God understanding the, the great things of God and the powers of the world to come if they fall away. And here's the spirit striving with men to, be, to become believers. To, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucify themselves a son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. They say, no, his blood won't save me and I'm not going to depend on him for eternal salvation. So there's one, I think, of resistance and shown over in chapter 10 of Hebrews in verse 26. <clears throat> 10, 26. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. And unsafe people resisting the ministry of the Spirit of God, using the Word of God, speaking of the judgment to come and, and the sacrifice of Christ for their sins to cover them. And they resist and say, No, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy. Verse 28, under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore a punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God counted the blood of the covenant with which he was sanctified an unholy thing and had done despite, done despite to who? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So it's a dangerous thing to resist the Spirit of God to fall into the hands of an angry God who, whom you have despised. Can you see on Judgment Day, on the Great White Throne Judgment Day, that we'll get to in Revelation one day, 
in our morning service. They're these people who have been spoken to, who have had multiple opportunities to repent and be saved. Well, they're going to be just left speechless. There is the Son of God whom they despised and trod underfoot the blood, of, the blood that he shed to save their soul. And they have nothing to say. But their sins are all brought up. All the works of their sin and, the, and, and the, the top of the list will be you rejected the message of the gospel. You did not obey the gospel. It was given to you but you failed to. I sent my spirit. He was striving with you and you held out against him. Well, he can be resisted. Secondly, this Holy, the Holy Spirit not, uh, can be, what's another one? <laughs> Quenched. Quenched. A sin of the saved person. If you turn to First Thessalonians chapter five and verse nineteen, quenched. You've ever had an, a quenching in a physical way? You know you got drenched accidentally. It, it, it takes the um, spark out of life, doesn't it? Um, <clears throat> I know some got a quenching at camp when Bucket Man was in operation. You remember that? Yeah. They'd all got showered and got their clean clothes on and then Bucket Man was standing at the door. Whoosh, it was a heap of cold water. <laughs> it did more than quench some... <laughs> It, um, <laughs> it goes through all that process again and you clean clothes out. But you see, the Holy Spirit is a person and we can quench the Spirit. We can stop him from working as he could have if we hadn't quenched him. First Thessalonians 5.19 Quench not the Spirit. There's one of the, the list of the things that are given there. Quench not the Spirit. <clears throat> one preacher put it like this many local churches today are going nowhere winning no one making no impact losing numbers and moving in ever smaller circles because they have quenched the spirit of God their fellowship is undisciplined inconsiderate quarrelsome prayerless unhappy unthankful critical of the preacher and slack on matters of faith and morals as a result, the spirit is quenched. The members often try, he goes on and says, the members often try to solve these problems by firing the preacher, streamlining the machinery, livening up the music, buying more advertising, getting on the radio and television, or imitating the methods of successful churches. <laughs> I... You know, maybe it's when you get old you remember things that happened a long time ago. But I remember in pastors' fellowships that certain ones would bring to us and our attention that this person and that person, and they're very successful, they've got a big church, and this is what they're doing, and this is what we should be doing. I thought, wait a minute, is it Bible? <laughs> is it scriptural? And this is, I think, explain, explaining 
maybe that the spirit has been quenched and they're trying in the flesh to do the work of the Lord. And he's continued, none of these tactics will work. The result, if any, will be disappointing. Instead of genuine conversions, there'll be false professions. Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is done in the power of the flesh is flesh. Because we've quenched the spirit, stopped relying on him and not listening to his him work and teach us through the word and through the preaching, then he has stopped working as he could. <clears throat> there will be no conversions without repentance. Say? Yes, in the time to come, it will. Pro programs without power and religion without the Holy Spirit. And so resisted, quenched, the Holy Spirit can be, and what is in our text tonight is the other one that we're looking at, the third one. Grieved. And grieve, not the Holy Spirit. A sin of the individual believer. Um, <clears throat> grief is a love word. You cannot grieve someone who doesn't love you. But you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And he loves us. He is there to attend to us spiritually. And this is in the active voice here. To cause pain or sorrow to the Spirit of God. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. How do we grieve the Spirit of God? How do we cause pain to the Spirit of God? How do we cause sorrow to the Spirit of God in our lives? I mean, let's get practical. Let's get... What, what, what does this mean? What can we do? What are we doing that can cause this? Disobedience, really. Rebellion, disobedience. Doing as what? Yep. <laughs> Tying with that, those. Hey, and you can start saying any of the lists of the list of the sin of the flesh in Galatians chapter five. Five, um, five is it? Grieves the Holy Spirit of God. He doesn't leave us, but he's grieved. When when a friend is grieved with your actions. Or you've been grieved with their actions or, or, or their words. Do you have the fellowship? Do you have that closeness? Do you have that rapport with that person? No. No, it's not there anymore. Until that is sorted out. And hey, has the Spirit of God done wrong? Never. Who's the guilty one all the time? Every time. <laughs> That's us, isn't it? We've gone off in the flesh. We've gone off in the old, with the old nature. And we've offended him. And, and the one that gets us, needs to get it right is ourselves. And that's spoken of in 1 John chapter 1. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our, sin, our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and, and get things right so that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, notice the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he is holy. God is holy. And he said, Be ye holy for I am holy. Now, the Holy Spirit, yes, can be grieved. Are we grieving him? Are we quenching him? Are we resisting him? Now, I think the resisting more is for the unsaved. But if we're quenching and grieving, we are resisting. There's another one that is, you can pick up that we can do to the Holy Spirit, and that's in Acts chapter 5 and verse 1. Lie. lie. We can lie to the Holy Spirit of God. Adonis and Sapphira lie to the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, while it was yours, was it not 
while you had it wasn't your own. You know, you, you didn't have to say that. You could have said, we're given half. That would have been fine. They would have still been alive. I mean, they would have remained alive. And they had agreed together to lie because uh, the wife came in later and um, didn't know what had happened to her husband. And they had agreed. They'd conspired to lie. Now, God doesn't, well, <laughs> he can, and we might not name it, and it might not happen on the spot like it happened to them, but God can do that today when we lie to him. It might not be as sudden, but things come that into our lives. John talks about that. If we've sinned a sin that is not unto death, we pray for those people that have done that or for ourselves that have done that. It's not a sin to death, but it's a sin that's grieved. It's a sin that's quenched. It's a sin that's resisted the Spirit of God, and we need to get that right with the Lord. <clears throat> now, the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit, and there's something he does here. What does he do in the last part of verse 30 of Ephesians 4? Seals us unto the day of redemption. And we've touched on this in the, I was at the morning service a few weeks ago. <clears throat> if we go back to chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14. In whom also ye in whom ye also trusted after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after ye believe ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It comes in after we believe on the Lord Jesus. It says that there, who is the earnest of our inheritance. He is the deposit, he is the down payment of our inheritance until there's a future aspect here, the redemption of the purchased possession. What's the purchased possession? Us. We've been purchased by the blood of Christ until the redemption of us, the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. It's talking in a future tense of future tense there of the redemption of the purchased possession. Um, Christ has put a down payment on us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, sealing us into his, into his body, the bride of Christ, and he's waiting for that day of redemption. As we wait, he waits to there be with us as a bridegroom waits for the bride. <clears throat> he keeps us safe. He secures us from the wiles of the devil. We don't know how often he delivers us in times in life. And we can think about times when we've had some near, we say near misses. <laughs> Who was it? <laughs> For the Christian, we have the Holy Spirit. Have you had some near misses? <laughs> they come to mind. You, you, you don't get rid of them. <laughs> They're there in your mind. It might be with a car, with a machine, with a person, or something that's happened. <clears throat> I mean, the Lord must keep young ones he must be very busy for with young ones some of the things they get up to especially when they get into teenage years i'm saying to brother chris perry when he used to go up snowboarding and he didn't do the wiggle you know to slow yourself down he just went straight down the black ones the black slopes that's the high speed ones and I said to him, because he didn't get saved till after he was doing this, 
I said to, said to him when, after he got saved a few weeks, I said, you, did you ever think of hitting a tree or a rock or coming off? No. <laughs> the Lord even then was <laughs> had his hand there to save him for the day of salvation. <laughs> but the wiles of the devil would like to destroy all of us. We ought to be thankful for what the Lord does. <laughs> the wiles of the devil, the weakness of the flesh. He keeps us safe and secure from the weakness of the flesh. How often have we been in a point of weakness in the flesh and something come to our mind? It was the Spirit of God saying, no, no, no. The verse came to mind from the Bible and he helps us to overcome the weakness of the flesh. The wickedness of the world as well. The world, the flesh and the devil. Remember 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17? And... Uh, <clears throat> He um, keeps us safe and secure from the wickedness of the world and from the winsomeness of sin as well. These things he keeps us safe from. Unto the day of redemption, as we've just looked at. Go back to Romans chapter 8 and verses 17 down to 23, maybe just looking at the last few verses there. Romans 8, 23. We'll just look at that. And not only they, but ourselves also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. That's that down payment. That's that sealing of the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. <clears throat> the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption that is the redemption of the body. When we're striving with sin, striving with the world, striving with self, striving with Satan, right through life, you get to the point... I hope that we all get to it, waiting for the adoption that is a redemption of our body. Oh, Lord, deliver me. And I hear it often talking to elderly people, deliver me from this body. It's just painful. And there's nothing more in this life to do. They can't enjoy doing things. They can't do things for themselves. They have to rely on other people to do them. And it's hard when you get to that age. And it's hard for people working with people like that too, for the workers. And um, they see that all the time. In their, and we need to pray for Christians who are in that position, that they would just centre their thoughts on the word of God, on the, on the things of God, pray for others and be used of the Lord in that way. Now, <clears throat> we've done it before. <clears throat> A... Tell me something the Holy Spirit does. A. With the word starting with A. Sorry. He gives assurance. There's something that starts with A. Anoints. And, uh, and uh, he abides with us. <laughs> um, B. Oh, there's a big one for B. The Holy Spirit does it. Baptizes us. <laughs> into the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. That's a good one for um, Baptist brothers there, actually. C, convicts, yes. Comforts us, yes. And these are, there's words in Scripture that have these. D, directs, yes, directs and we just have been talking about it. He dwells within. Maybe it's not a 
scripture word, but it, that's what he does. Um, he came as a dove at the time of Pentecost. E. Huh. Enlightens, yes. He enlightens us with the scriptures. Um, he enlivens us, empowers us. He's the earnest of He's the earnest. <laughs> As we've looked at tonight. He enables, he encourages, a lot under E you could think of. Uh, F fills us. G guides, yes. Guides us. And he can be grieved over us. He grieves over us. He, he, he does something else that's spoken in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. Gee, you've all got it. Or one at least. Gifts. <laughs> Gifts us. Um, <clears throat> H. <laughs> Helps, okay. Help. I cry out, help, Lord. And he heals the things that go wrong in our spiritual being. You can, maybe, what you should do for next week, because we're out of time, finish the list. See if you get one for Z. And X. <laughs> They're the harder ones. But it's amazing when you start thinking through it, you, you've heard it, you know, in sermons, you've read it in the Bible but how they all come together and he, he is one, a person that's doing these things all the time for us and we don't appreciate him. We don't thank the Lord for his ministry to us and I think we should. I know we're to glorify the Lord and lift him up but we are to thank the Lord for that which he does through the Spirit of God for us.